I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. From Barangaroo Studios, the AusBiz COV is the key stuff you need to know about the day in business and finance. Well, hello, hello. It's the 24th of October, 2022. This is the COB, the stuff you need to know about the day in business and markets. I'm Nadine Blaney, and I'm here with David Scott. Scotty, welcome back. It's great to be back and uh, yeah, fighting fit, hopefully. Yeah, well, was it you? Was it you that shone your fairy dust on this market today? I mean, what a session up by 1.6% by the end of it, 6,785. I mean, I know we had that lead in from New York, but like crazy times. Yeah, maybe a, a Timoros turnaround, uh, the quote, the Wall Street Journal, uh, and a journalist who went and pretty much sparked a lot of the rally we saw on Friday and uh, well and truly carried through to today's trading session. And the remarkable thing today was that the performance of Chinese equity markets, particularly the mm-hmm. Hang Seng, was, uh, was just a bloodbath so a lot of people casting judgment about that really key uh congress there in china that came to a conclusion uh, president Xi, of course surrounding himself with a lot of uh sympathizers as well so really telling that we managed to go and push that to the side but the question of course then comes back to how long can we continue to go and do that and that's been the ever-present question this year how long can a rally be sustained yeah, because nothing fundamental has changed. I mean, there was a lot of talk about Fed pivot, but it's not happened, guys. And uh, we've got plenty of data between now and December when I guess some of the conjecture is that we could see the Fed move a little bit less aggressively. But, I mean, to your point, E-minis, NASDAQ, and S&P 500 still higher throughout the day today, even as the Hang Seng, I mean, obviously still trading as we're recording this podcast, down by five point. Three percent, so pretty resilient little performance coming through from the Australian market, and it wasn't just, you know, the miners. If we look at the, um, if we look at the emerging companies index, was up by one and a half percent. The small ords was up by two percent. So there was really a lot of enthusiasm across the board. And um, yeah, if I just take a look at the sectors, Scotty, I mean, BHP this morning was up by more than four percent, ending the day up two point six percent. Fortescue 1.8%, and even that's, you know, with with metals not not and base metals not looking, you know, very overwhelmingly positive. So it's a really interesting, really interesting investor psyche, I think, right now. Yeah, it looks to be quite equity market specific, which brings you back to is it got more to do with the earnings reports we're expecting coming out, particularly the U.S. earnings reports. A lot of uh, market capitalization coming out, of course, this week, particularly with those tech titans. 
uh, at bat in the next uh, next few days. But really, I uh, know, as you mentioned, uh, apart from resources in the material sector that did very well, up around about 2.5%, just the uniformity of the gains coming through. I think it was only energy and consumer staples that actually posted uh, no, gains of less than 1%. Everything else is up about 1.5% or so. So very uniform in nature. Uh, make of that what you will, but uh, interesting price action, to say the least. Sure was. And um, to your point, we do have a lot of these consumer-related U.S. tech behemoths coming out this week. I had a chat with Jim Lu from Tribeca Investment Partners on Friday. Uh, look, that could be a bit of a, a fly in the ointment, so to speak, because we are expecting weakness to come from some of these companies. You know, Meta comes to mind in particular. But, you know, so far, so good for U.S. earnings season. Whether or not the December quarter will be more reflective of some of the pain that's being felt in the economy or not. I mean, it's it's yet to be seen exactly how this will all play out when it comes to company earnings. Um, one thing we haven't talked about a lot, or at least I didn't when I was on air, I was on air for a pretty short time today, is um, the yen. So the yen really whipsawing today, further suspected intervention. I mean, I, I think for our listeners, Scotty, put it into perspective. Like, why is this so... Um, why is this so indicative of where we are in the cycle and where what's to come? Yeah, the Bank of Japan, on behalf of the government, is uh, intervening in the uh, the currency markets to go and uh, and and strengthen the yen uh, rather than weaken, which is normally the case when you see intervention in the past. But uh, yeah, clearly running very expansionary uh, monetary policies at the moment, very different to the Federal Reserve, and that's uh, a big factor behind it at the moment. Uh, and and it, yeah, just you wonder how far this can continue this pattern because at the point of time, uh, there's no real sign from the Fed at least that they're going to go and pivot, as you mentioned. Uh, they might go and slow down the pace of rate hikes, but that interest rate differential is uh, is really widening up. The other part of the equation is that uh, no, Japan's uh, no, trade exposed sectors, it's a big energy importer. And of course, uh, energy prices, despite a bit of a pullback recently, have been mooning <laughs> aggressively. Uh, so, yeah, you throw those two things together and it's, uh, it's really hit the yen hard. And markets still kind of you know, rejoice when the Bank of Japan intervenes at the moment, but uh, it's not really anything to get too excited about. In fact, you know, it just shows you some of the imbalances that are out there in this, uh, this global economy. Yeah. Um, speaking of the US dollar, it reminded me of um, Christopher Kent today, RBA Assistant Governor went and heard him speak at the Commonwealth Bank Global Markets Conference. And um, really interesting, uh, he put the uh, the falling Aussie dollar in um, context of the trade-weighted index. So what he reckons is that um, that smaller depreciation of the Aussie dollar when you take it in trade-weighted terms actually means that it won't be as inflationary as perhaps it could appear to be, you know, at first glance. So, yeah, talking about um, also, I'd, I'd say downplaying um, central bank, um, di you know, the divergence between central bank policy and what that will likely mean here in Australia. And also sort of saying, yeah, um, we're looking to to slow spending. I mean, yes, we're looking to slow spending, almost like we sort of think that the RBA, you know, when we talk about demand and consumer demand, like that's what they're trying to do. They're trying to slow demand. They're trying to get any inflationary pulse here under control, which he does say is obviously still um, lagging that in other major economies. Although the first word, the, literally the first sentence was inflation is too high in most major economies. So having our central bank out there talking, I, I just... I, I think they're being very forthcoming. I feel like it's a little bit of um, it's a little bit of what we've s 
what we see, I guess, what we, we are used to seeing from the Fed, where all these speakers come out to just drive home the point. We've heard from Bullock, we've heard from Kent. You know, there's been lots of uh, local central bank talk um, in the past few weeks. Yeah, it's going to be a big week as well when it comes to the RBA and Dono's expectations and the continued pushback against the, the view that they should be going more aggressive. We've got that inflation report, of course, on Wednesday. Yeah. We're just going to get a lot of attention. And the one thing that we know for certain uh, is that, uh, no, by and large, inflation around the rest of the world has been printing above where market economists, the median uh, no, view is out there. So I wonder whether Australia will be any different in that sense. It could go a long way to determining whether that step down to 25 basis points uh, no, might be a step back up soon afterwards because yeah, it's been a pretty decent trend around the world. Let's see if we're any different this time. Well, yeah, are we any different? I mean, he did look back to history to sort of set the scene for his commentary. Anyways, that uh, speech you can read, it's been published on the RBA website as per usual. But of course, a lot of the interest comes in the q and I didn't have a chance to ask him about uh, what he wants to see in terms of fiscal policy or what the overtures from this new government and what we're sort of learning ahead of the budget tomorrow could uh, mean for monetary policy. I, uh, they ran out of time. Didn't get my hand up quick enough, Scuddy. Felt a bit gypped. But um, Kyle Rotto was there and he, he's got a view in the COB newsletter if you'd like to take a look at that. Um, can we get back to equities though, Scuddy? Uh, we haven't sort of gone into mm -hmm. a lot of detail. Uh, breaking news after the close coming from Westpac. It is warning of an $824 million hit to its uh, second half earnings. Sorry, that's $1.3 billion Aussie dollars. Um, and it's citing a loss on the sale of its life insurance business. It lists some other reasons as well. Um, but yeah, cash, net profit and cash earnings in the second half will be reduced by $1.3 billion after tax. So that's some late breaking news there. Um, other than that, Scuddy, look, some of the big leaders uh, came from the gold space, Evolution, Gold Road, Pilbara. It inked another deal for some of its spodamine. Um, you know, production, uh, resource, um, Reliance Worldwide, Linus, not a lot of news associated with some, I mean, company news associated with those leaders. We saw ASB up by 6%, points bet up by 2.5%. South 32 was down, though, 1.3% after it um, warned about weaker coal output in FY23 because of some issues at one of its mines and also some labor shortages. So there are some well-worn themes coming from South 32 in its quarterly. Yeah, a bit wet down on the south coast of New South Wales. Uh, a bit wet in Sydney today, I was out this morning. Yeah, you come to Adelaide. It's beautiful yeah, and right. sunny. <laughs> Cold, though, but my pants literally are still damp from, from walking through the city today. I wasn't wasn't a happy camper when I got back to the office. Um, okay. Oh, I thought you'd be seasonally adjusted by now. Oh, God. It's like you talk about weather in weeks now, not days. It's ridiculous. But um, just back to South 32, it was a stock of the day today. I spoke with Gaurav Sodi from The Intelligent Investor and Nathan Samasandaram from uh, Deep Data Analytics. Have a listen. South 32 is interesting today, but it's not quite a buy yet. We've doubled our money, um, bought and sold twice now over the last... Um, eight ye or years or so at, at South 32 and it's a company I really like. I, I rate management, I, I'm on the record as saying it's the best um, management in global mining hmm. and, uh, and, and I think they, the management has reformed that portfolio which is a much better business now than when it's split from BHP. Out of miners mainly because of the recession cycle that was going to come through um, and that's 
you know, hit some more than others. I mean, copper is down more than gold yeah. over the last 12 months. Yeah. And you don't do anything without copper, whether it's electric cars or building houses. It doesn't matter what you're doing. So that just tells you where it is. So we're looking for those indicators. They're not moving yet. So I'm not jumping in. So you will have to listen to the full um, episode of the call if you want to find out what price Gaurav would actually look to buy South 32 at. And I think while we were on air for the call, the share price had actually pushed a little bit higher. So it's uh, it ended the day a little bit lower. You got to listen in to see where and what price Gaurav would be willing to buy South 32. Um, Scotty, anything else on the corporate front that really stood out to you today? I thought it was quite a quiet one. Um, you know, uh, a lot a lot of the focus, you know, has been on quarterlies, um, but there wasn't sort of really blockbuster headline making news coming from corporates. We're in, we didn't have any big AGMs today. No, it's going to change in the next few days. We get to know the calendar's going to ramp up. But the story for me is still Novinix. I know last week, uh, sporadically, when I was uh, when I was out and about, uh, it just has had another stonking day today. Up, uh, it's added nearly two-thirds of its value in the space of five trading days. Uh, isn't it nice to go and get a big carrot in the form of a grant incentive yeah. from the U.S. government to go and uh, set the uh, set the uh, creative juices alight amongst the investment community? Yeah, sure is. I, I put a call into the company just so you know, so we can have a bit of a, a look under the hood as to what it might actually mean and how it fits in with the broader plans at Novanex. I've got to follow that one up, actually, on behalf of all of our lovely viewers and listeners out there because yeah it's um, one of those companies that sort of captures the imagination when you start hearing about federal money in the u.s being thrown at it um so it's got a yeah, budget tomorrow um it's it's a it's a big one like it's it's not we're not calling it a mini budget the government is calling it a fy twenty two twenty three budget but clearly we'll be getting another one you know come the new year in the regular course of action so what what would you what do you want to hear from this budget yeah, good question. Uh, look, I'm, I'm not putting as much weight on the on this budget, and probably it would be the, regardless of who's actually in power and who's doing the forecast. Of course, it is Treasury who comes up with the forecast. But as we've found out, I know forecasting even like you know pretty placid times is difficult enough right now to go and have any certainty as to what the future looks like. You know, twelve days time, let alone twelve months time, is going to be very difficult. So. Yeah, having a look at uh, the breakdown between a recurring and one-off uh, expenditure items at the moment, I want to see a lot of focus on how our taxpayer dollars are being spent. We know at this point in time that uh, the income tax stage three uh, you know, uh, breaks that are coming through in a couple of years' time are still in place, but I just wonder whether they might go and lay the foundation to potentially go and walk those back at a later date using this particular document. So we'll see what uh, Jim Chalmers has to go and say when he steps up to... Uh, uh, at the crease, first time. It's uh, 7.30 tomorrow night. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I'm looking forward to it as well. Um, we'll be on the edge of our seats. It's interesting, though. I've been at a few sort of industry events and off-the-record events, but um, it will remain off-the-record. But the, the consensus is that uh, Jim Chalmers has done well in his job thus far, that he has been an effective communicator, and that, um, yeah, there's uh, I feel like there's a bit of goodwill out there for this government so far in uh, reflection of how they have handled themselves. So we'll see. We'll see what the commentary is come Wednesday morning, and we've got a lot of budget coverage, um, you know, obviously industry groups. But, yeah, I think blue sky thinking as well. How does this budget dovetail with how this government has sold itself to us, particularly in the recent election? And so plenty of fodder that will get you through 
um, from 8.30 when we're live on Wednesday morning. But but we've got a day before that. Hey, um, we've got Carl Tenenbaum. He's from Northern Trust. We speak with him to Chicago, from Chicago normally, but he's going to be in our Ausbiz studios. I'm hanging out for that at 11.45. Um, Eastern Time, so I hope you can join us for that. Um, otherwise, you know, Scotty, you'll be speaking with Ben Clark, always good for a buy, hold, sell. There's lots happening tomorrow. I think it's going to be a good one. And of course, we'll be prepping for that inflation read as well. What, what, what's your gut yeah. feel as far as what we can expect there? Uh, that we're not too different to the rest of the world. And I wouldn't be surprised to see upside surprise, particularly in the, uh, the underlying inflationary figures uh, that come out. But uh, we'll see at 11.30. If, for those people as well, of course, uh, tech, ter- tech earnings this week in the States, big time coming through. So uh, Lachlan Hughes from Swell Asset Management, he's an expert in that particular part of the market. He's going to be joining me on the Global View tomorrow to go through what he'll be looking for. So make sure you tune in at oh, yeah. 9.45 a.m. Eastern. That'll be a good one. So, yeah, just to uh, reiterate, so we'll be watching out for Westpac tomorrow, warning of that $1.3 billion hit to its cash earnings in the second half of 22. Obviously, whatever happens when the dust settles in Hong Kong in particular, we'll be talking about tomorrow. Treasuries through the night tonight. I mean, yeah, it's anyone's guess as to whether we'll continue to see this. Uh, exuberance, I suppose you could say, continuing on Wall Street tonight. But with all of that in mind, Scotty, I'll just reiterate the finish here locally today. The S&P ASX 200 finished the session up by 1.6%, coming in at 6,700. Actually, it was 1.5 by the end, 6,780. Shall we do it all again tomorrow? Let's do so. Yeah, just just quickly to finish off on that uh, Hong Kong Mm. Hang Seng yeah, some big outflows as well from uh, you know, the uh, northbound uh, and the southbound stock connect at the moment. So coming out of mainland China, really repatriation of uh, international flows. So the international community voicing pretty strong opinions about uh, Xi's uh, you know, tenure as the next, uh, know, of course, continuation of that presidency. So yeah, interesting to see whether that uh, know, continues to go and permeate over the next few days. Maybe might take some of this optimism away that we're seeing today. But uh, time will tell, of course. Of course. All right. Have a good night. See you tomorrow. You too. Ciao. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style.